Canes. Canes is in the business of chicken fingers. Oh. Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Mr. Southern Marsh himself, Matt. We're going to learn a little bit about branding, about getting a clothing line off the ground, and really just exploding over the course of a decade plus. So we're going to learn all about that a little bit. But before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout out and thank you to the people that make this show possible. Government Taco, Belia Real Estate, Mallard Bay Outdoors, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. Without further ado, Matt, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much. I feel like it's the Southern Marsh Studio this week. We got, you know, everybody came in and did did a great job. So uh, big thanks to the team. Um, but it looks good. Yeah, they, they represented me. Oh, it well. looks it looks phenomenal. And for a podcast and or vodcast, as I call it, based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, it really fits the vibe. Like it's got that good Southern flair, that Southern feel to it. I mean, this I'm not gonna lie, I do love this sign right here. This this, this sign is a tabletop with the sign. So if you're a retailer, you get one of these. Okay. So this will be like in the stores or yeah, it's like to you know you put it on the table or or wherever the wherever the retailer wants to put it to let you know customers know when they come in that they carry it kind of a a, a direction. But but that's uh you know we got to find something that accessorizes in every store and every platform. So that's that's what that that is for us. And uh, it even works here, right? So it works Absolutely. for podcasts. I mean, it, it captures the essence of the brand almost. It gets that southern feel just with within a sign with two words on it. This is a guy out of Georgia who makes them for us, and he, he does it he does it uh, himself and, and kind of like a, a, I don't call it a one-man show. It's bigger than that, but, you know, he cares a lot about the product, so we like him. He's a good guy. It's great, man. So what? who are you, first and foremost, and what the heck is Southern Marsh? Mm. Who am I personally? Uh, Matt Valley-Alahi. I, I am uh, from Baton Rouge. Um, went to uh, Dunham for a while. Finished at U High, uh, LSU. Then after that, Tulane uh, for law school. At LSU, met my business partner, and uh, he was a few years older than I was. So you know, graduated. But um, we started the business my last year of undergrad of law school or of undergrad, undergrad okay. of undergrad. And so did law school business same time, and. Uh, and so we worked on it uh, kind of together for it, like the end of law school, like the third year of law school. It it looked like it was pretty much going to work. Um, but we, you know, we obviously didn't know that. So everybody was playing backup plan, right? Steven, my business partner, had a full-time job. Um, back in the day, you couldn't like go to Squarespace or one-to-one or, you know, Wix or whatever these sites are. You had to like go kind of commission a website. And so he worked for Red Stick Internet with a group that, that built websites for, at the time it was, you, you had a pretty large organization that wanted to afford a website, right? So it would be like a school or government service or something like that. But he was working there and I was in law school. And so then second, third year, uh, towards the end of the third year, we were kind of like, all right, I think this is, this is what we're going to do. I did work as a lawyer for about, you know, full-time exclusively, not at the company, for about three weeks. And then quick. <laughs> three weeks, okay. They're going to take three months. Like, all right, three months is respectable. Three, three For our first 90 days. Three, three weeks. <clears throat> Maybe not even three. Two and a half. So, um, sorry. And so that, you know, that's it. We, we, uh, that, that's, uh, that as far as like me, you know, I've kind of lived here 
more or less my whole life. Uh, my wife's from, from here as well. She went to Auburn though. So, uh, and don't hold that against her. Um, and that's, you know, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm probably missing, leaving a bunch out, but that's kind of the, the, the path up. So let's, let's deep dive into the, you said y'all figured this idea out in undergrad. I mean, yeah. Were y'all like having, having some drinks, playing pool? Like how did this idea conceptualize itself? Yes, sort of the, uh, so, um, Steven and I were actually not very good friends. So Steven and I were in a fraternity together. <laughs> not very good friends. And we weren't. We weren't. I mean, we we knew each other and we 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 liked each other just fine, but we weren't really very close in uh in in undergrad all that much. Uh, but we both lived in the fraternity house and we were like, you know, hallmates in the fraternity house, but we weren't like ultra close at the time. Um honestly, just because there's probably so many people around in a weird way, you're just like kind of close with like everybody sort of, but not, you know, it's just like whoever's there, you're going to do stuff with. Um, but we both coincidentally, like not planned, moved out into what was uh, new at the time, which was the reserve at town center. Okay. Yeah. Right there, those yeah. apartments. Didn't know, but we, you know, he was just kind of like rolling through the parking lot one day in his car. And I was like, you live here? And so he, uh, he kind of kept like an erratic work schedule uh, always, you know, still kind of does a little bit, a little bit better, but always kind of has been a guy who will just work at all hours. I mean, you know, three in the morning, he'll might be working. So he would go out a lot and kind of come back, uh, at night, you know, maybe like after dinner and drinks or whatever and come back and then work maybe from, you know, I don't know, 11, 12 till four or five in the morning. And, uh, so I would go, if I didn't have anything going on, it was a work night, whatever, I didn't want to go out, but I wanted to do something, I might just walk over to his apartment and say, hey, right, see what was up. And so I saw him kind of do his thing. He was always like a UI, UX, like user interface, user design guy, and ultra talented guy, and uh, would, would kind of see him kind of come up. So I was uh, in my apartment, and at the time, there was this catalog called Garden and Gun. Um, I don't know, have you heard of it? The name sounds familiar, but I cannot picture what it looks out, like. Out of the Carolinas, very kind of like just bougie, you know, aristocratic South kind of like, you know, magazine that was very cool. Um, it's kind of like all ads now, but at the time they were like, it was a very cool magazine. And so I kind of had this this idea, uh, you know, using this like kind of new wave of like New South and then... Uh, and then at the time, which is really hard to believe again now because it's kind of comical, but there are really only two places to buy, two brands to buy T-shirts from. It's Columbia and Guy Harvey. And this is back in... I don't know. How, how old are you? How old am I? Yeah. 26? All right, so a 10-year gap. All right. Yeah. So, you know, too young for you, right? Because, like, you know, 10 years gap, you probably weren't, weren't really paying attention, right? Because we came on the scene right when you probably were. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but the... You know, before that, it was like, it was really like two brands. Like, I mean, everybody was wearing like, you know, just like a few like fraternity t-shirts and it was like Guy Harvey or, or Columbia. It was really it. And so I came to him with this kind of like garden and gun meets Guy Harvey meets, you know, whatever. Kind of like, you know, New South, like buffed and uh, kind of higher finish. And uh, and went to him at his apartment, you know, late. And I was like 11 o'clock when he you know, late at night while he was working and kind of pitched this idea to him. And, I, you know, it's like, you, you kind of have the skills to get to get what I want done you know what to do and I'll put up everything like all the money for it right and uh 
And here's kind of like my vision. Here's here's what I'm seeing. To Stephen's credit, he didn't really listen to me. Never. He still doesn't listen to me. And <laughs> I got a great relationship, well, great working relationship. We do. It's phenomenal. I mean, he's, he actually just bought a house next to me. He's my next door neighbor now. Um, we do. The uh, But he doesn't listen to me in a good way. It always works out for me. So I just, it's fine. You know, whatever he wants to do. He, uh, but he, I, I just wanted to do t-shirts at the time. It was kind of like all I wanted to really like do. I was like, this is, this is great for a variety of reasons. You know, t-shirts, hats, whatever. And he was like, no, I, I feel like we, it can go like the whole way, like, you know, full men's line or whatever. So I was like, yeah, okay, you know, if you, if you feel that way, like, let's go. And, and he was like, you know, kind of pitching me like all this stuff, you know, idea, brand, logo, you know, everything. And, uh, and so we had a meeting one time and he just kind of had, we, we had kind of chosen a few things along the way and it just kind of was all laid out and was like, I guess you know, that's it. Like, let's just take the plunge, like ready to go. And, uh, and we, we started up, I mean, it was like, it was as humble as that, honestly. Uh, we, we had no idea what we were doing. We had no ends in the business. We had no idea how we were going to market it. We just kind of cranked up with, with, it was really like an apartment startup. And, two, uh, two attorneys doing a clothing line. No, Steven's not an attorney. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. Steven, Steven was, uh, he was just a UI UX guy, like user interface, user design guy at Red Stick Internet. Gotcha. No, okay. no, no, no law whatsoever. He, he, he's blessed. He saved himself that, <laughs> that pain. Um, but I did, right. So I was, I was down there in New Orleans and we were kind of starting up. And at the time it was like, no, nah, I mean, you know, it was like, you would sell like, 50 shirts a month or something. I mean, it was like... But, so did y'all go digital right away? It was the only way we knew how to do it. We didn't even know what wholesale was. But so, like, you don't even do trade shows. We, I didn't know what a trade show was. Okay, because like trade show, <laughs> like you and I had a conversation back in like 13, 14. Yeah. And like trade shows was like all the rave, still is the rave for people trying to get brands like this off the ground. Trade shows, your boots on the ground. Yeah. A storefront with a lot of people coming to you. Yeah, meet people. So y'all didn't do any of that. I, had, I, had no, I didn't even know that that existed. Okay. So we launched... And the one good thing you have in college, you don't have much, right? But when you're in college, especially towards the end, your social network will probably never be larger. And you have a lot of goodwill, right? You're young. Everybody wants to see you do well. You know, you get a lot of people that are like, you know, you could stop whoever, you know, president of whatever company and say, hey, you know, I'm trying to start, you know, whatever. And they're like, they, they, they enjoy taking five minutes out of the day to help you. You know what I mean? You have a lot of goodwill just kind of going on. So um, we, we kind of started and just started asking a lot of questions and just kind of got off the ground. But we had no clue what wholesale was. We knew it showed up in stores, but we didn't know how it got there. In our minds, that was like an insurmountable task to get it into like a shelf. Like we didn't know how that, that worked. And, uh, but we did have support from a lot of friends who just kind of told everybody. And back then... Um, social was like not pay to play. Social media was not pay to play. And it was kind of like, it hadn't been commercialized yet. So they if were I still figuring their roots out, yep, yeah, that's right. So if I, if I took a photo and posted it, you know, it had a hundred percent attribution. If I was friends with 1500 people, all 1500 people saw it in their timeline, you know, or in their story. Um, so that was a big deal and we knew it was powerful, but we didn't know the extent, right? Really, I don't think anybody did, even themselves. Uh, yeah. And so we we but we used it to our advantage, and so we just kind of took off. And the first person that wrote us wholesale, which you're bringing up trade shows, you're bringing up wholesale. You know, that's really scale. I'll never forget her, Melissa Porter, at Riley's Menswear. 
Where's that at? In Georgia. I'm the the city is I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, on but the still city. Georgia. Carter, I think so. it's called Cartersville, Georgia. Okay, Riley's Menswear, Cartersville, Georgia. Melissa Porter. I'll never forget. I'll never forget Melissa. She wrote us, and it was like a one sentence email, if I remember correctly. It was like, I want to carry your brand. No subject, no nothing. Just you know. So it was like like came in the inbox, no subject, just the body of it was, I want to carry your I brand. I want to carry your brand. And the first thing we should have done is call her, but we had no idea what so we, we, we didn't call her so what did you do we, we sat and looked at that email for like a day and a half <laughs> and we were like um how are we going to approach this because you know if we if we don't if we come off like we don't know what we're doing they're gonna she's gonna be like oh these guys are clowns like you know i don't want to mess with them and if we you know if we come off too strong then we're gonna you know scare scare like the business relationship off you know scare her off where we're like oh we want you know this or that or whatever so we're like we don't even know I have no idea. So we got the most charming, charismatic, like, you know, outgoing guy that we could find. His name was Derek Mitchell. And we got Derek to be our salesperson. Okay. Also in the fraternity. Recruited right. him in. And we're like, can you just call Melissa and just pretend like, you know, you work here. Like you're a salesperson. And that's person. a bigger company than what it is, right? That it's not just two guys <laughs> hanging out. And Did you like uh, put the phone on mute and be like, your whole time. I was I, I would have been way too nervous to have been there. No, it was like he, it was him by himself. You know, we were too nervous to like have it in a group format. And so he called, talked to her, and she was like, I mean, I just want to I just want to buy. I mean, we we probably just had t-shirts at the time, you know. She's like, I, I just want to buy some of your t-shirts and sell them in my store. And he was like, Okay, well, let me let me get back to you. And he told us, and we were like, This doesn't get us any closer to, to the finish line. <laughs> Her, her email said that already. Her, her email this, said she wants to buy this her This doesn't stuff. get us any closer to what we need. So finally, I just had to pick up the phone and call her. And I was like, you know, okay, what, what, you know, what, what's up? What do you want to do? She's like, I, I want to carry him. I was like, okay, great. And then she, so she was like, well, what, how, why is this taking so long? Like, I just wanted to like, like, let's, I was like, well, we don't. Here's my vendor forms. We, like, come on. We, we don't know. Vendor, what's a vendor form? We don't know what to charge. How much do you want to pay? You asked her? Yeah. Hold <laughs> on. We had no idea. We were like, you, I mean, she was like, I mean, I, you asked her how much you want to pay like, for the I was like, look, we, this is, we don't have, you're going to be our first customer. Like how much you came clean. I was like, yeah. I was like, how much, how much do you want to pay? Like we have no, like I have no idea what I'm doing. And so we're only selling on a website we built ourselves. Yes, exactly. Like, I mean, yeah, correct. Right. Uh, powered by what doesn't even exist anymore. So, um, and so we, we, we asked her and she was like, uh, she was like, I mean, she was very honest. She was like, look, here's what everybody charges. Here's the margin profile for the, for kind of like, you know, industry standard. Um, and like, you know, here, here's another company's like, you know, thing. I don't remember who it was at the time, but she's like, this is what they're charging me. And so like, I'll pay, you know, I'll pay with what they're charging me. And, and it was super, she was super transparent, super honest. And like, really kind of like helped us as like a resource to kind of just be like, here's how it works. And we we're off to the races. We opened her. And then, you know, it was one of those things where, the more it's out there, the more people want it sort of. So like, you know, it was, she was carrying it. I guess it worked well. She told her friends. So like, then she has friends in the industry and then it just kind of, that started to snowball. And then through them, it's like, oh, what's, what's market? What's a trade show? Oh, well, I guess we should go. Oh, you know what? So, and <laughs> that's should probably get in front of more people than just our, our friends in the fraternity. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, and yeah, friends and family is honestly how it got started. That's right. And so, um, and so that's, and so we did and, and it all, it all kind of worked out, uh, 
and, and it kind of in its own way in its own timeline. So, so we, you know, we got lucky with that, but that's uh, honest, honest to goodness. That's how I got started. I, uh, I would love to tell you that there's some like, you know, just, we, we knew it all straight out and always knew how it was going to be, but it was really just putting one in front of the other and kind of figuring it out. And the, the digital strategy was how we, how we, how we led off the ground. But I mean, obviously it's, it's not like that anymore. Right. So it, was it ever in these late night meetings you had at your, your partner's apartment, was it ever, let's go into storefront or was it always, I know how to design a website. We can put together some designs for the shirts. Let's just sell online and see where it goes. All right. So for, was first, it like, for the first two let's to get three years, stores. it was going to be extra money. Okay, so this wasn't even like a full-time opportunity. No. This for was the first a two side years, gig. For the first two years, this was a side hustle. Okay. Um, and I mean, think about being pitched that, right? Like, here I am, like, coming to you, you know, 21, 22 years old. Like, Stephen, I want you to quit your job where you have this kind of career in real, you know, internet, web, and just like the frontier, right? I mean, it was like right place, right time. And let's start an apparel company. And I'm also going to quit law school, stop being a lawyer, and uh, go try to. I mean, that way, like you know, you you had to sell it to yourself small, yeah. Um, in in a way, and so we uh, and so that that was really so it was going to be side money to start, and we were both going to like have our jobs and do this too, right? Um, and then towards the third year, I'll never forget. It was like Christmas time. We had opened a lot of accounts, you know, kind of towards the end of the third year. And it's kind of comical, but but he sent us, uh, Stephen, and I'll never forget, I think I still have this uh, photo saved. Uh, we had done 100, and, it's like, we broke 100,000 in a big way. It's like 110 or 120,000 for the month, for the month, right? That's a big month. It, it was an enormous month yeah, back I was then, say, that's, right? a, that's a big, for, for, a start, for a startup apparel company. Yes, it was an enormous month back then. And so... He sent it to me and it was like, you know, I was like December. So we, what we did, we didn't, again, we don't, we didn't know, we didn't know anything. We were, we had just kind of loaded it for, for Christmas. And so everybody's ordering like November. So like December was there, it was like December 5th and we had already sold like a hundred and some thousand, you know, it was huge. And, uh, and so I was like, all right, well, it looks like this is going to probably work out. <laughs> we're going to do okay. We're going to do okay. Um, and, and so on that third year, I really, like, wanted to finish law school so miserable. I was about to say, like, you're going through law school during yeah, all this. law school so miserable, right? And so I wanted to finish. I had honors, and I wanted to maintain it, and I wanted to finish, like, you know, put in all that effort. I wanted to make sure it ended the right way. So so did it and, and, and finished. And, you know, you, you, you study and go through all this, pass the bar, do everything. And, uh, and then you kind of... You're, you're, you're like, all right, I don't want to like throw it away. So I, I, I did both right for a while. Three weeks. Where? No, I did that full time. So I started, okay. quit, and then I worked for, now he's a federal judge. It was John DeGravel for a while doing, uh, doing like research and writing basically. And then for another guy named Chris Mensman for a while where I kind of did part time too and kind of straddled it a little bit. And then that probably lasted a year. I can't even remember. And then. So a year, a year part-time. Fully stepped off. Yeah, a year part-time and then fully stepped off. Um, anyway, that, that, that was, that was kind of how we got started. And then from there, it was, it's really, it's been a journey, for lack of a better word, because uh, 
for a while, you know, the business was doubling every single year. So doubling. Yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, you know, when you start, when you're when doing, you start small, yeah. When you're doing, you know, when you start from zero, it's easy. You know, one is a big number, you know. So the so it was doubling every year for like five six years, and that's both a blessing and a curse. That's an insane growth rate to maintain. Yes, and it's it's the reason that it's it's also difficult is that everybody thinks they're a genius, right? And you don't have any peers. It's like not a public market or something where you have a lot of peers where it, you know kind of. So when you're, when you're, when you're doing this, uh, you know, it's tough to manage an organization like this because everybody, if you turn left, you win. If you turn right, you win. If you go up, you win. If you go down, you win. Everybody thinks that their ideas are great and that they're winning. And what we should have known is that, you know, if you, if you really just back away from all that noise, there are fundamentals that you should focus on. And if you focus on those, you know, instead of us being up 100%, maybe we should have been up 200% or something, you know. But but it's tough. You know, it, 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 you're young. I mean, it's like we were 22. Yeah, you, you figure yourself out yeah. as the business grows. Right. And it just is a little bit more demanding when you're doubling every year and you're realizing the two of us can't, um, <laughs> we can't, we can't maintain this even with our one charismatic salesperson. That's right. We were like, you know, 25, 25, 26, probably whatever it was at the time. We just, we, we you know, whatever. So, um, and yeah, Derek left. So Derek left, we had to get a few, you know, we, we tried to do everything in house at the time and tried to like, you know, we made all the traditional startup mistakes, try to do everything yourself, try to develop all the resources yourself, tried to bring everything in house, tried to, you know, just train up everyone and, and get everyone positioned for roles, tried to, you know, whatever. And, and so, you know, you just all those I think, bumps along the way. And then, kind of kind of figured it out but we've we've kind of done the full spectrum now from opening your own store wholesale every digital channel you can come up with you know the, the whole thing so we've 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 kind of learned our lesson the uh the right now i think we're on a pretty good pretty good pathway as far as it's predictable we know which levers to pull to kind of like get incremental growth and it's stable which is like a virtue in in brand yeah and in a brand, you want stable, predictable, and just slow and steady. Yes. Once you reach a certain level, yes. obviously those doubling years are great. Oh, I, I but would if you were to every double, year if they let me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think your team would look at you and be like, "Man, yeah." Right. I, I mean, I would double. I would double every year if the customer wanted it. But yeah, that's the you know that's right. So for us, stabilizing and and really cementing uh, the channels and the partnerships and the relationships is kind of the the key that we've kind of driven home, I guess, is the, you know, the best. And it, it's been good. It's been, the last couple of years have been very stable, very like easy to, to uh, identify what's going on, how to, how to kind of like drive value and, yeah. and what, what our, what our strategy is. So that's been, it's been good. We've been lucky and we have great team, like unbelievable team right now. So in the early days of doing a t-shirt business, a lot of people well, for those that aren't familiar with general T-shirt branding and stuff like yeah, that, yeah. you start with blanks, yeah, and then you print you print on the blanks. Yes. Was was that the path y'all started? Sure was okay. So, walk walk us through that. Starting with the blanks, coming up with designs, yeah. all that stuff. Uh, at the time, there was this uh, these these two products called a Hanes Beefy Tea. <laughs> okay, and a Comfort Colors, which was Ooh. the new the new 
thing at the time. So it was new when you started. That's right. When yeah. I started, it was like the that was bottom the ticket, line. right? Like oh, that it was, was the bottom that, line. No, that was like what you got. Like there was nothing else. Oh yeah, that was that was you had to have like it. you had to have comfort. It was colors. comfort colors. Yeah, they killed everybody. I mean, they they oh my gosh. They, they they beat the game. People would come and say, "What what what brand are you printing on?" That's right. And yeah. they they look at the tag. Oh, comfort colors. I'll take six. Yeah, they beat the game for sure. They 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 figured it out. Um, but we so we we started Hanes BPT, and Hanes was the you know the most boring product mm. possible. It was like navy white, you know, whatever. Like, so it sold apparently. Whatever. Well, you had limited color options, so it was like you know. Yeah. White, navy, this is all you could print on. And then comfort colors came with a palette, right? So they had like 20, 30 co- different blank colors. And uh, we made a deal with comfort colors, got got blanks at a discounted price. And uh, and so we printed on those for a minute. And you know, you're still making like no money, by the way. Oh, the, mar- the margins on you, shirts are not. You can't make money doing doing. It's volume. Doing it's a volume game. Yeah, well, not only that, you just, no, you just can't make any money doing doing blank. I mean, all the money goes to the blank vendor because their customer is somebody who's not trying to make money out of it. Right. Their customers, the, yeah, they're, they're paying it for, for ad dollars. Yeah. yeah their customers like the fraternity or the, you know, yeah. whatever the, the court, the, the sponsored event, whatever it is. And so, um, the, the, I, I remember Steven ultra kind of like ultra skeptical at the time. I was like, we, we're going to have, we're going to have to figure out how to make something overseas. Cause there's just no way. Like, you can just look at it. It's just, it's just impossible. And at the time, like, you know, Stephen was like trying to maybe make it in America, do this, do that, whatever. And I was like, you know, I think we got to figure out how to really. So we, we went to a trade show and met a couple people and. Like a vendor show. A vendor show. Okay. Yeah, like a sourcing show. Yeah. Not the show that people yeah. like. Not like a holidays. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. <clears throat> and met a couple people. And it was not that great. It was pretty terrible. But it was the right format. Okay. And so we're like, all right, this is right, but you can't really even be an American and do this. We need to go there. You got to go do it there. And so we went to Hong Kong. Okay. Hold up. How did you know where to go? Asked around, Googled around, just kind of. We bought it. We bought a round the world ticket. Okay. Round the world ticket. I don't remember the rules at the time, but we knew them then. You could go one direction, pick your direction, and you could go one direction in certain zones. So it was like you know, Europe was a zone. Once you crossed Europe, you couldn't go back. So you had to finish your around yeah. the world. Gotcha. And you had I don't remember what it was like, thirteen, twenty, whatever it was, tickets in one ticket. Okay. Right. So I could fly from Los Angeles to New York, New York to Seattle, Seattle to Toronto, whatever, and I would burn up legs. But once I left, say, the U.S. zone, went to Europe, I couldn't go back to the U.S. Does that make sense? Until you were done. I had to return you to had, the U.S. You had to finish the, in I had US. to go from the, the next, what they call a contemporaneous <laughs> yeah, yeah. zone. Right? Your, your final ticket had yep. to put you back in the U.S. That's right. That's right. Okay. That's right. And so once you, you know, I guess you could in theory burn them up all in one zone or whatever, but it wouldn't make any sense. So we didn't know what we were going to do. That's why we booked it like that. And the thing was, you could, it it was done. Like if they had space, they had to give it to you and you could, I think it was 48 hour notice or whatever. You had to let them know. And so we did a brief little deal in Europe, just kind of like going on vacation more or less. And then we started and we went just all over in Asia. 
looking for factories, going to trade shows, trying to just meet people and, and kind of see see what we could see, honestly. We, we didn't have any clue. I mean, what about the language barrier? Yeah, it ex- it's a real thing, but there at those trade shows, there's usually somebody there that speaks English because, like, the okay. whole world's reserve language is English. Right. Well, because I'm thinking, like, in today in today land, you yeah. could put on, like, Google Translate, put yes. on some earphones, yes. and it wouldn't be a problem. That's right. But we got to think about this is back, what, 2005, 2006? No, no, no. This is later. This is 2010, probably. Okay. 2011, <laughs> 2012, something like that. So 12 years We started ago. at 08. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> 2011-ish, 12. And, uh, and so... The uh, it, it, that was all hard. Their data plans were like also challenging. There's you know ISM there or something like that because of, of what it was. Like iPhones weren't as developed. I mean they were there, but they weren't as developed with everything as they are now. Um, but the the thing that I will say, if you ever like international business, you know if there's a German guy that wants to speak to a Chinese guy or or, or an Indian guy wants to speak to a Chinese guy, Korean, whatever, their their bridge language is going to be English, and so that's really helpful. <laughs> you know, so you can find one person. You can find somebody. Yeah, I mean, you can find somebody that speaks that speaks English. So, so, uh, and you know, the Indians were under British mandate for forever. So, like their business owning class speaks English. Okay, and that's like I think a pride thing for them too, culturally. Meaning, like you know, once they, if you're of that echelon, then you want all your kids to learn how to speak English and go to boarding school, whatever. So, um, that was that was that was. That was good, but that, that that was how. So we and so we we found a factory that was willing to take orders, um, and it was painful, but we got them to scale up on on t-shirts, and that was what we were doing. That was the only thing we had volume to give to them, and it was an enormous risk. And God, it was like a disaster. I mean, the first few shipments were like, you know, we had we had all kinds of problems. Like what? Quality control, shrinkage, wrong size specs, print problems, packaging not right, labels being incorrect. Like meaning, you know, you spec one label for this product and another label for that product, they're not correct. And you didn't, you, you don't realize how many things can go wrong until you start to do it. And <laughs> until, you're, until you're in the weeds. Yes. And you're and like, when oh, you're in wow. The weeds, oh, wow. I mean, oh, wow. Like, I mean, a million problems from, yeah. um, where do you get buttons from? Where do you get uh, neck tags from? Where do you get uh, UP? You know the, the stickers. We weren't UPC at the, oh, the time. UP- even y'all weren't UPC. We weren't, we weren't UPC. We even, what was the UPC? Why do we need a UPC? And so uh, you know all these little things at the time that we didn't you know we didn't realize kind of that you needed to spec. You needed to know what it was. They have. They, I remember a vendor first time asked us what our packing instructions were. We were like, um, just ship it to us. <laughs> what, what are packing instructions just, just put it in the box and put get it, it and get it to usma yes, get it that's here all, that's all you gotta yeah, do just, i don't whatever like have it like wrap throw, it up throw, in a throw, store throw you know like have a store bring it i don't care just just whatever i just want the product <laughs> here please preferably and the, i need it in a poly bag so i can ship it to the retailers but that's it and uh <laughs> And so, and so that was, you know, that was, that was, that was the, that was like, you know, again, it's one of those times where you're like, I, I don't even know what I don't know. Yeah. You know? It was like, it was crazy. When it, Cause um, you were dealing with comfort colors or, uh, or hanging. So much was decided and for they, you. There. They were already or saying. Or it wasn't available that's to That's right. There was, you were saying, hey, like the shirt you have to the left of you, hey, print Southern Marsh with this design on it. And they're going to say, okay, it's going to be, if it's screen printed, it's going to be what, four or five screens. 
We're going to run it through, and we're going to put it in this bag. Right. We're going to ship it to you. It's going to be this much. If you want to put a tag on it, that's this much extra. Yep, yep, yep. Whereas over there, they're like, what do you want? Yeah, everything's open. And you're like, I don't, um, I, don't, I don't know. And by the way, you need to order 10 bazillion of everything. Oh, yeah. Their, their MOQ is ridiculous. <laughs> right? So it's like whatever. We're paying $1,000 like, for one trip. Yes, exactly, <laughs> right? The, the economics work against you when it's like that. That's right. Because so they make like, 500 Yeah, we're, like, we're going to make whatever. And if you only want one, we'll ship it. We're just going to throw the rest away, I guess, or you know, sell it in the local market, whatever. But but that's, uh, the, yeah. So the economics definitely work against you if you try to like lower down the quantity to where you're like, I might as well just make it in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but that was, you know, so we 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 had all kinds of problems. We we but we we kept going back. We we knew that was the we knew that was the path. We knew that was the the way to go. Yeah, the, the overseas was overseas the, overseas that was the way you wanted to. Yes, be. I mean the, the 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 knowledge base that was there, the the technical know how that was there, the the speed to market that I mean, other than transit, which is slow, but. The speed to react to things, get things, you know, make things available. The willingness to do them was on that side of the world. They're all about making a deal and helping you. They're just so resourceful. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know, we we tried Latin America, Central America, Latin America, and as soon as they kind of encounter a problem, they externalize that problem onto the the customer. They're like, you need to fly down here and figure it out. Yeah, like we can't do this. Yeah. So what do you want us to do? I, I don't like I don't I don't know. You're a factory. Like, don't you know how to do it? Well, and then they have like liaisons. So like I've been when I started mine, it was through a lady on LinkedIn. She reached out to me. She said, Hey, I see you're doing this. I work for this I work for a variety of manufacturers. I live, oh, yeah, in, I live in the manufacturing. Sourcing zone. agents, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's like, Do you want this? Do you want this? Yeah, and she was like, yeah. Work I never spoke with anyone at any factory. Yeah. It was just through her, just through LinkedIn and then emails. Yep. And I was able to Product Seaside there showed up on my door. I was like, "It's pretty cool." Yeah, but it was not like that whenever you were there. Initially, they had these people, but these people are like notoriously untrustworthy. It's so easy to get scammed. It sounds like you had a good experience, which is great. That's lucky. Um, but you know, these trading agents—they don't risk anything, <laughs> and they don't—they don't even really have that much control. And the factories don't even really like them that much. Um, where they are, kind of like a broker. They just sit in the middle and try to make five, ten percent, twenty percent, whatever, off of your order, and connect you to a factory. And their job is to find the absolute cheapest factory and charge you the absolute most, right? I mean, that's right. they're in the middle. And the problem that you have with that is, you know, you'll tell them, "I need this or a quality of that or whatever," and they have to make margin. That's you know, so then they'll they'll try to squeeze the factory. And what you have is you have downstream supply chain issues, quality control issues, because the factory is getting squeezed to deliver something at the lowest possible, you know, margin, regardless of how much money they're making. I mean, their job is to squeeze the factory to do it as cheaply as possible. And then you get it delivered and you find out that like, you know, you, you paid for X and you got Y. And that's like all too common of a story that would just like wipe out uh, a startup. I mean, you know, you get two or three bad POs and and God forbid, then the POs make it out to your customer and your your first thousand customers or whatever that are interested have a terrible experience. I mean, that's, you might as well just close your doors. Did y'all ever run into that? Yeah, we've, we've thrown away tons of, we've thrown away a mountain. So you, they, they've stopped with y'all is what I'm asking. Like you never had something go out to a customer in the early days. We did have stuff go out to a customer. Oh yeah. We, you have to, yeah, I mean, you have to do, you have to apologize <laughs> and do whatever you can. I mean, you have to like, you know, it's, it's a mess. Um, 
and it's so messy, you know, and, 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 and things that are like worn where you don't know, it's like, is it the customer? Is it the product? I don't really know. Yeah. But some things are just so clear. It's like, this thing just showed up. We just shipped out, you know, 5,000 units and we got 30 emails in our inbox with the same problem. It's like, just recall all those products. We had a Mardi Gras, uh, polo and, uh, the, it was a color block. Yeah. Okay. So all, all different colors going down. And, uh, I just happened to get one showed up. I was at the warehouse, you know, showed up, whatever, Can, pretty, pretty shortly after it arrived there. And, uh, got it, brought it home. My wife, like, you know, got it and, and, or, and like, I don't remember what happened, but she was like, the colors like coming like, everywhere I sit down, there's like color coming off on it. Like, I got purple and gold and green stripes, like ev everywhere, you know, everywhere I touch. Like all the white couch is now yeah, a Mardi Gras couch. It, exactly. Right. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I think, I think you might have a problem. So we bleeding. looked, yeah, we looked and we were like, yeah, we do. And so that was like one of our first like true kind of like recalls if you want to, I mean like I don't want to use a formal definition of like a legal recall, but like a, a recall where we, we basically contacted all of our retailers or like if you bought it from us, send it back, we'll give you full credit. We'll pay for the shipping back. We just didn't want it out there in the marketplace. Yeah. And we like impounded all the merchandise and, and trashed it. And that was a way, I mean, was, we lost the sales. We lost the season. We lost, like we had a bunch of marketing behind like photos and you know, everything that we'd spent on ad dollars and things. And we just, I mean, it's just not worth it. I mean, what, so what do you do in that situation? You eat it. But like, I mean, you've, you've put all this time and this effort into a campaign, whether it be marketing, it's through like promotional items. You've, you've potentially made what well, we've got in front of us, a picture. So you've had these shoots done within the, within the Mardi Gras theme. Like, Hey, this is what's coming. This is the line. I mean, did you put on like a message to the customers? Like, how did you, what was your damage control? If the, uh, well, the damage control was to recall it from the whole, from the supply chain, from, okay. from the, from the stream of commerce. So in the stream of commerce removed, disappeared from the website, was gone. If a customer bought it and they complained, if they were like, the neck is scratchy, automatic gift card. And like, here's a warning of like the product, the color has a problem, throw it away. Here's a gift card. And we're sorry. And then we didn't have, thank God, somebody be like, oh, my, you know, $10,000 or whatever couch is ruined. So we never had that, thank goodness. That's lucky. Um, but we had, you know, we just had the normal, a few complaints, and we just were very upfront with the customer. We're like, look, we had a production problem, and I'm sorry. And and uh, here's your money back, and uh, keep the product. And, and for us, because it's kind of like a funnel, I mean, the further it gets out there, the the more pe the more problems you're gonna have. Yeah, it's like kind of the point. Because right? people start like, posting it's about an, it. It's a, it's a scaling business, yeah. right? So <laughs> as it scales, as that product begins to scale, right, you're gonna have more problems. The problems will scale with it, and so we we had to intercept it, and so we we, you know, told all the accounts. A lot of them we were able to to cancel their orders just straight out. A lot of them that had shipped hadn't put them on the shelf yet, so we were able to recall them, and we we caught it early enough. To, That's awesome. To, yeah, to minimize the impact, but. It happens. It does. So how do you respond to the supplier in that situation? You Ideally, you owe them money. Okay. And then you don't pay them because you tell them that they have a problem. And, of course, they have a conniption and they're, you know, going to lose their mind or whatever. And then you send them, like, a whole box packaged. Like you don't even open it the way it showed up. Send them a whole box. And you're like, all right, you tell me. 
right? <laughs> and you work something out. You, you end up working something out. But ideally, you owe them money and you don't pay them and they have to take it seriously. And I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to balance it out because if they, a lot of times they'll, you know, if it's a good relationship, it's a good factory, everybody's like, you know, there's repeat business involved. They'll, they'll make it again. They'll make, they'll, they'll compromise with you in some way. Yeah. I mean, cause to think about it, if you're their big account and yeah. you have one supplier that you're using, yeah, you can't then send all this IP to other suppliers to shop around. Right. Yeah. And that, cause then that creates a whole timeline issue because for for merchandise such as this you're planning these releases months and months in advance that's right yeah of when they actually hit the shelves that's right so if you are selling right now spring summer 23 spring summer of 23 that's right you're selling or you're like selling right now to 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 our network that right to our retail partners oh so you're pushing them to pre-order summer 23 yeah wow yeah so it's what nine months nine month lead time well, it, not, 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 how the, not, not, not how the pre, industry pre-sale. sees it. Yeah. That's not how the industry sees it. But for <laughs> a consumer's perspective, yeah. Okay. So they see it as just the life cycle? For, 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 for us, like fall, winter starts. It's funny. You know, fall for us starts in July, right? And, yeah. and spring starts for us in January. Okay. So for a consumer, they would never, I mean, that would, it's silly. But, but. You think about it. You know, you got to buy it. You got to ship it. You got to get it into your DC. You got to receive it. You got to put it out on the shelf. You got to get ready for whatever, you know, it is. So you want it coming you know, spring, summer. You don't mind taking swim at the end of January, even though it might be freezing. Right. You know, because, you know, spring break's coming. Whatever, you know, so as you're clearing out, you're backfilling with your, as you have your, your markdown, holiday, fall, you know, whatever discount post-Christmas sales, you're backfilling with your spring, summer items. So while, while we can't think of the summer times during January, well, I mean, Louisiana, it's summer, you know. All the time, yeah. 11 exactly. and a half months out of the year. That's right, that's right. And you never know, when that, you never know when that half month is going to show that's up. It could right. show up in November, it could show up in February, you have could, no clue. It could show up tomorrow. That's right, you have no like, idea. It's just, we get 15 cold days in 365. Right. That's right. So, yeah, you can't fathom, oh, buying a swimsuit right now. But for retailers and merchandisers, they have to push it out that way. Yep. You know, hey, come on, you know, the Black Friday sale and have your summer line or yeah. something like that. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they, you know, they're pushing in season, but the, the kind of the mark, the, the, uh, especially in the South, right? Like end of January, like, I, you know, people are going back to school. It's spring, summer semester starting, right? I mean, you're thinking about your next, you're thinking about the first crawfish bowl. Yeah, right. In January and February. Exactly. Like, when can we be around the pot? That's right. That's a great, that's a great way to put it, right? So the mindset shifts, right? Even though you're, even though it might be cold outside in your head, you're like, I got that trip coming up for spring break. I'm going to the beach. I got, you know, whatever, crawl, whatever it is in your mind, you've already moved on to the next season. So that's anyway, that's, that's how the industry works. So, so yeah, we're, we're usually, it's, you know, it's it's a six month out cycle, but to a consumer probably feels like we're nine months out. Yeah. Yeah. Because like we're, we're shopping for trips in mid to late August and then early September. And where we're looking at is more, north so we're having to check historical weather patterns because it's not the same as what we got in louisiana so when shopping for an eight month old we're buying like nine to 12 month old clothing mm-hmm. that when you buy yeah, it it's yeah, like this yeah, is yeah. way too big but it's like well they're going to grow into it before the trip even happens yeah but you've got to buy cold clothes that you're not you know you're buying clothes that are way too big and it's that mindset is totally shifted so when you've got your initial items was like your brand and then you moved on to some designs. 
when did y'all decide to step into what we're wearing, which is the button downs? That was pretty early on. I mean, it was probably like the third. We, you know, so much of it is feedback driven. Um, we are really blessed by having like a, a very uh, like active base and really across all channels. I mean, there's some retailers who just love us. You know, I mean, we, we love them. They love us. Like they're wearing it in their store. Like they, eight out of seven uni- days. I mean, that's their uniform, yeah. you know, that's their uniform. And so they, uh, they give us a lot of feedback, you know, they give us feedback. Um, our sales reps give us feedback. Our customers give us feedback. We get ideas and things submitted all the time. And, and you never know where it's, you know, where it's going to come from. We, uh, my, the intern I told you was kind of like family for me. Um, they, uh, he just was kind of like, he's, he'd been working there for, for been there for years and then is he still an intern uh he so he went to law school okay and uh and you know southern marsh we you know again it's like a family we bring him all the way through i got him his job summer clerkship job and uh and so he's doing a summer clerkship now in law school and he's got you know he's sadly he's growing like he's growing up so we're gonna lose him but uh, he, you can't convince him to derail from the, you from know, the law route like it's, you. It's his own choice, man. It's his own choice. <laughs> whatever, whatever he feels like doing. I thought he might want to, you know, travel around and and help uh, help do sourcing and and you know go to China, go to go to go to India, go to these places and 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 check it out. But you know, I guess the law, the allure of law school, you know, was calling his name. Um, but he helped, you know, make a short. And the short is like, you know, he and I did it together. It's kind of like a side project. It's like kind of like he was interested in it and showed interest. So we, we wanted to help. You know, I'm a big believer in scaling up the resources that you have when somebody shows interest, you know, uh, try to try to try to capitalize on that. And so gangbuster short sold tens of thousands of units. Did so well with it. And that came from like a chit chat conversation in the office where he just was like I have an interest in how do you get something made was I think how, what, he, what he came up with me. He's like, how do you like, when you have an idea, like how does it go from like idea to like product? It's like, Oh, <laughs> buckle up, come, <laughs> come, come check it out. And so, and so that was, that was one of the things that he worked on and, and he brought it through. So it, it, you know, it's a neat, I mean, for me, it's like, a, I love to see that. So, so what is that process from idea to product? Oh God. So you need every product's different. But uh, since we're talking about shorts, I'll like, you know, introduce shorts as, as kind of like uh, this sh- particular short had a liner. So it was a line short. So Okay. Annoying, right? I don't know. I'm I'm starting of late, of late like the, the Chubby's line swim trunks. Oh, no, the product the, is amazing. It's yeah. annoying to source it because like, oh, like it's, it's 10 okay. times more complex. I mean, you, you don't, you can't miss. Like you get a liner that's like tight up against, like up against, you know, a guy. Like you don't have any there's no room for error like you can't oh, be like, too tight yeah. you can't be too you know it's like you got to kind of make sure that's right so it's a line short I, I like line shorts too i mean you know it's it, the whole industry is moving that way um but and so it was a perf- like kind of a like these like these bird dog shorts or chubby shorts or whatever you know it's yeah, like yeah. it's like athleisure meets meets form and function you know let's ch- let's, let's chino, throw a stretch whatever. and some clothes yeah, right. so, and allow people to right. get a little bit freer and that's right enjoy so, their meals better <laughs> that's right. This is great for Louisiana, right? It's so hot selling Louisiana products. That's, that's right. So we 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 you know got this short and uh, and then you just kind of start going to work and so you need to know 
You need to know what the shell fabric is, the outside fabric, right? You need to know the interior fabric. You need to know its composition. You need and and inside a composition, I don't want to get too technical; it's so boring. But you know, polyester yarn as what they call like a denier size, right? And then the quality of polyester yarn is like filament count inside the yarn, right? So higher filament count, usually better quality, right? Right. And then the uh, the yarn itself has like a what you know cotton is called like a ring gauge. Right, that, uh, but for but for polyester, it's called like a denier, and so you need to know that and what it's mixed with. That there's like you know any spandex, lycra, nylon, you know whatever it might be, and so you get all these little little nuances that go with it, and so you need to get all that kind of specked. Then again, you have the draw the draw cord for the short, mm-hmm. the waistband, right. <laughs> It, it, the end it of the draw like cord is going to be metal, the, plastic. That's right. It's right. stuck in and your then, dryer. That's right. It makes a bunch of sounds like a bunch. You got a bunch of loose change in there. Yep. The uh, the elastic band in the shorts that we have are smooth, right? So it's finished on the inside. So you don't have the, those those ridges like those crinkles that like go up against you when you sit. You know. So it's like mm-hmm. these like scratchy little crinkles that are you know because right. elastic they're, just they're bunches terrible. the fabric yeah. together. Yeah. So you know you got to spec that, and. Uh, and then you need size spec, which is also, you know, that's free form. Every brand has their own size and kind of their own their own thing. There's no fit. Yeah, there's no right or wrong fit as long as it kind of you know fits somebody. So the uh, so you got to do size, fabric, composition, what you know what they call the trim. You know, like with those little those little metal or plastic ends and zippers and anything you got like that. And uh, and then you got to style it, you know, if you want pockets a certain way or length and all that. And then you got to spec color, send it off, and uh, they put together kind of what's called like a pre-production or like they they put together either a what's just called like a, a sample, like an SMS sample, like a salesman sample or something. Yeah. And then if you're if you're very serious, like you think you're going to production right away, you just will go to like a pre-production sample. And so they'll they'll spec everything out. Uh, it might not be the right color or the right whatever, but it's more or less it's enough for you to say yes. And then you go to you get a bulk, and 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 you start you start making it. But that process takes it's a ton of work to get to know what to make. You know, as far as specking all that out and and getting the factory to send you like so fit sample is like a whole that might take a month. No. You're getting a new product, new fit, new everything. It's like the liner's not right. This isn't right. The shorts are too long. You know, whatever it might be. Yeah. The process can take a while, and uh, and so the that that's a whole. You know, that that you, you walk that through. It takes a few months, and then once you're like, all right, let's go. You just kind of like hope and pray that everything works out, and you can go inspect it and check whatever. But still, it's like you need most of the time. It's like fifteen hundred units per style color. If you want like four colors of one style, six thousand units. So that's a lot of units. A lot of units. A lot of units, and that's a lot of a, a lot of an upfront cost for something that might not pan out. That's right. So you need uh, you need a lot. So so you need that. You, you got all that, and so you got to you got to put all that together. And then when you're all done, and you say, "Hey, let's make it," uh, you still got to wait about three months for it to show up, right? Because they got to make it, and then they got to put it on a boat and ship it. So, I mean, the whole thing is just an, an enormously long process. And my intern came from sales, and sales 
<laughs> Could care that's, less. That's a short. That's a short turnover. <laughs> Give me the product. All right. How much do I need to sell? That's right. Got it. Done. Sales. Two days. Could care less. Yeah. I mean, you're like, do you know how hard this is? They're like, that's great. The customer wants it. You know, could care less. So he came from that culture or environment where you, the environment is just like everybody's so dumb. The sourcing teams are so dumb. Everybody's stupid. Everybody's slow. Everybody's lazy. It's just like this, like bash. You know, like the. the I mean, it's congenial, but it's just like, God, come on, get it together. And then when he came and over on the, the sourcing side, the other side, side is the same way. Then he came on the when he came on the sourcing side, he was like, "I get it now." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I I understand why salespeople hate production and production hates sales. Yeah, and he's a good bridge, right? Because he he can speak from it firsthand because he was there for like a year, maybe two or three years actually, um, and and you know at least helping with sales in some respect. And then when he came over to sourcing, he's like, "It's just nothing like." You you would just have no idea how how quickly something can go wrong that like just derails the entire project. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, one thing is off. It's if, it. if the it's if all the ends of the draw strap exactly are right. off. That's exactly right. The whole line has that's to be all like you just need. trashed. That's right. That's all you need. The end, the metal on the end of the drawstring tested positive for some contaminant that you don't want because it's harmful to human health. Okay, like you got sent. The whole production run's got to be sent back to the factory. They got to pull all those metal things off. They got to then put new ones back on that are that are you know that will pass inspection. Yeah. And then repackage all of them in the poly bags. You know, blah blah blah, whatever. And then now you're ready to go. That's easily you know, whatever thirty days. And then you got to catch the next sailing. And so you know, for for salespeople, they're like, how did they the mess people, up the draw? Want, yeah. Like, I mean, the, the people want it now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or like the the unforeseen circumstances where. Um, a company that shall not be named but resembles an infinity logo, um, you put their pants in the dryer and that metal in clink, 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 clink. gets caught on the exterior of the dryer barrel. Uh-huh. And then you pull the pants out and they're all twi- all the whole drawstring oh, yeah. is twisted up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the whole the drawstring is, is pulled. It's yeah. completely pulled through the pants. It's a death roll. Then you yeah, lose yeah. the metal end and you're like, these that, pants are, there's no more drawstring. It's gone. So they're then you gone. battle stuff like that. You don't even foresee when you're sitting down at the concepts table yeah. and you're designing, yeah, that oh, happens sometimes. Let's put a duck at the end of the drawstring. Yeah. Well, what is that going to feel like in a washer or a dryer? It's all that different things where the salespeople are like, they love the duck end. Make it happen. That's right. Yeah. There's a product that we had with flip flops that they became delaminated, but the, the, the delamination didn't show up um, until they had kind of sat around for a while. So the lamination held for, you know, several weeks, several, say even several months after they were produced out of the factory, passed every quality check, looked perfect, and they were perfect for the first, you know, month or two. And then, you know, they sat around, and as they were sitting on shelves, as they sat in the warehouse, they sat wherever, uh, all of a sudden, as soon as they got wet, the layers would delaminate. And, like, what are you going to do? You know, so we just recalled the whole product, trashed it. Jeez. I mean, do you then release, like, a, a V2 Yes, we of do. the product? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, of course, yeah. Like, you, you find you find the problem, and then you go out? Cause yeah, it's, you ask what the problem was, why it happened, whatever, and, you know, you, who knows if you're getting a straight answer, but you know to test for it next time specifically. Right. Well, I mean, because you're, you're talking about, so y- y'all now have a women's line, but initially mm-hmm. we started out as a men's line. So you're talking about a, a man buying a, a product that's a flip-flop or a yep. shirt, yep. and we're going to wear it till it's got holes in it. That's right. Or it falls apart. That's right. Like, we're not going to wear it for two or three months and go buy a new one because we want to. Yeah. At least on the most on the most right. part. Correct, yeah. So, I mean, I've got a pair of, of loafers I've worn for, like, four years, and it's like the soles aren't coming off, so 
I'm still gonna they're wear perfect, them. Right? They're perfect, right? Yeah. They they I fit, they fit my like foot well. Too, yeah. Like it's <clears throat> they work. So for something like that, you're not going to be able to figure it out in a three month testing window. Yeah. What is the product going to hold up to in one, two, five years down the line? You just you don't know. That's right. Until you've had the time to test it. Yep. And so and you can't wait for five years to release a product. No, so you do. Yeah. You test it, and there's there's test. We use we use a <laughs> testing lab to test things. And quality check, and if you need chemical testing, meaning you need like real, like, like yeah. let's get the, the the science guys and you know type thing. Um, they offer kind of like every every type of, of of test that you could imagine. But um, you know, you do you got to do. I mean, not every product needs every test under the sun, right? So you do what's right. commercially reasonable, what you think you what you know is a known problem that you need to watch out for, and you kind of go with that. So yeah. makes that's, sense. That's how the business the business runs, and. Uh, Knock on wood, you know, things have been, things have been good. Hopefully they stay that way. As far as like, you know, production, we, we, we sidestepped the big, uh, COVID supply chain snarl and, uh, and we're able to make, make a lot, you know, make a lot out of a little, I guess, in terms of the, you know, threading the needle and, yeah. and, and met expectations and did really well. So we've been, the last couple of years have been very good. That's incredible. And I hope to see the continued success within the business. So as we kind of start to wrap up the show, we do have a set list of questions we like to ask mm. everybody. Uh-oh. So hope you prep for this. Um, the first one being, what is something you did as a kid you wished you could still do today? Uh, as a kid? So, so are you a kid again? Yeah. What What is something? So if I could that go you back and be a recall, child that you were as being a kid, okay. you were like, "Hey, I want to do. I want to do this again." What I'm going to tell like, you, like running through streams, <laughs> swinging across sick. ditches, what, what whatever I'm it may be. Tell you is not is I would not want to do it right now, but I I would love to do it <laughs> as a kid. Um, my mom is from Oklahoma. Okay. And uh, and so the when we would go back, like you know, think like you know Thanksgiving, Christmas, like you know, you're at school break and you go back and you you go visit family. Um, they all are like farmer, rancher, like that type of, that type of lifestyle. Yellowstone. Uh, <laughs> a lot less glamorous, <laughs> a lot, lot less glamorous Yellowstone. Um, and, and so we would, uh, my, his, my, my, uh, uncle had, uh, just like these enormous hail bays, like, uh, the size of, I don't know, they seemed, I mean, you're a kid, right? I don't know. Feet on huge hail bays, yeah, and just like the the round ones. Yes, it's like I think it's like six or I think it's six by six. Okay, just as and as far as you could see, yeah. I mean, you know, just hundreds of them, and uh, and they had they had lines of them, right? And so we would jump, you know, run through those things, jump, hide, play, <laughs> you know, whatever. Me and all the cousins, and and my sister. And just kind of go go crazy on those. Some were wrapped in plastic, so you know you would dive into those and like try to try to like punch through them and like climb your climb up and you know, just, just kids being kids, just doing I mean, fun the, the, stuff. The best hiding spot was riding between four bales of hay, and you could fit like if as small you could like fit in between yeah, yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that was the, the like like nooks. pull some pull some yeah, hay yeah, over yeah, your head. Yeah, 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 exactly. Just pray one of your cousins didn't run and like that's right stomp their foot right in between that's right them. that's right so that's what you know we were doing that and and that's that's something that i miss as a kid we we're just i was talking about that with my wife my son's now five years old and so uh my sister lives in covington on like a horse farm and uh and so she 
like that when we bring them out there that's like the only kind of country like you know like you know get dirty and like go play with animals that he kind of gets so we're talking about maybe bringing him up to oklahoma to like go go relive that for a little bit i'm still close with one of my cousins up there that'd be fun yeah it's great it's it's awesome it's just i mean take them out there and do like a whole like children's photo shoot man <clears throat> that would be cool actually. <clears throat> on that on the hay bales that's beautiful yeah it's beautiful out there too oh, i'm sure the land is absolutely gorgeous mm-hmm. so the next question is you've done gosh you've done a lot within 14 years of the brand being established and you threw <laughs> not threw away you stepped away from a law career after three weeks of full time, you can call it throwing it away. Okay, well, he threw it, it was, away. It was career suicide. When <laughs> I did suicide. it, when I did it, I was like, "This is that." There's no going back. I mean, the resume is just broken. Like, what have you been doing? Ah, oh, I've been selling t-shirts. Selling t-shirts. You know, if if it works out, it'll be great because you're never gonna come back and look for a job. But if it doesn't work right. out, they're gonna look at you and be like, uh, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Yeah. Tell yeah. me, tell me about this 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 blip on your resume. Yeah, what's, what's this block of time missing? Yeah. But anyway, so you've you've done a lot over the years. What are three lessons you've learned along the way? Ooh. So I get asked this a lot with like startups, right? Like startups that are like, what's uh what's like something that you you wish you could go back and tell yourself kind of thing? I think one would be uh sometimes you can be like a victim of 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 market conditions or success. And, and so what I mean by that is when I was saying we were doubling every year, the organization was ran horrendously, um, compared to what it's like today. Yeah. And I don't mean like people had bad, bad intentions. I just mean like amateur, just not good. You you were running a mom and pop shop. Level <clears throat> yes. When you yeah. Were we were, we were, we were very successful. Yeah. And so, um, that uh, hubris, I guess you want to call it, right? Hubris, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, really kind of like clouded the uh, the 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 thinking, the rationale, and and I think uh, if I could have gone back and told myself, you know, stick to fundamentals, right? Stick to what you kind of like know is the right thing to do, right? You might be in great shape, like you know you. You can always run five miles and you don't have any weight to lose. But you know that if you just sit on the couch all day, if even if you still look that way, it's not healthy, right? right. I guess that's like, you know, that's something where um, you might find yourself in a, in, a, in a situation or a market dynamic where you, you almost are like successful in spite of yourself. Um, but don't let that, recognize that for what it is and, uh, and kind of get that out of the organization quickly. Um, always uh, you know another one i would say so you said three um the there might be a lot of things that uh so take lessons from senior or established competitors yeah okay and and what i mean by that is when we showed up, we were, I mean, I don't know if people know what Shopify is. You know what Shopify yeah, is, right? Yeah, I so know. we were Shopify store number, I don't know, 56 or something. Early. Very early. Yeah, very early. And so, I mean, we're all these people are idiots. <laughs> you know? They don't know what Facebook is. They don't know what social is. They don't understand, like, what's, you, that you talk to an average, like, you know, apparel retail executive, they don't have a clue. They don't know what, they don't even know what's going on right now. 
they don't have a, they don't have the slightest idea. And we were right. They didn't, but they caught up real fast, real fast. They caught up. They, 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 they knew. And what we then should have recognized was that, you know, this whole industry has worked for a hundred years before us. It'll work for, you know, forever. I mean, you know, whatever, a hundred years after us. And, uh, they they had they they were doing so many things right. They just there's this new thing that happened. They just didn't know about that we did, and uh, and so we should have been more you know quicker to engage senior talent and senior resources, and you know use your own judgment as to like you know how much weight to give it. But there is a lot of what has helped stabilize the organization is over the last four or five years we have really brought on uh, senior kind of management, our, our sales directors from Columbia Sportswear. <clears throat> and it, an unbelievable resource in terms of stabilizing the organization and bringing kind of common sense, level-headed, pragmatic, uh, you know, advice and approaches to growth and, and you know, solutions. Um, so very much to his credit, very good guy. Um, so, you know, we've, we've kind of leaned on that and he's he's kind of gone with us through a lot of the kind of reshaping and reforming too so that's that's something that but traditionally especially early on we would have shunned that you know we would we wouldn't have relied on that so much and then probably the third one is you will never if you can make a resource work from inside your own organization it will be it will and you have the the competency to kind of train them up it will be so much better than trying to hire for it. Um, now that's not to say go engage third party vendors like, you know, you know, and, and for example, accounting. Yeah. Um, accounting is something that, <clears throat> you know, you accounting's changing. It's a highly regulated field. Law meets tax, right? So lots going on there. But if you have like a, a kind of a homegrown account and you can pair that with a good accounting resource, for example, outside, awesome combination. You're not just gonna like hire someone off the street that's gonna have the the culture fit, which which you need. So I, I'd say like you know culture fit and and bringing the resource up inside your own own organization is is probably the best thing. And then if there's a skill gap missing, try to fill that with an external resource. But don't always just go looking for like I guess you know the skill out of the box because the culture fit and the and the the team collaboration that comes with an individual in my opinion, is worth more than the the skill that's there. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, and I guess if there's, if there's one more, so I know you said only three, but, you know. Go for the, it. The other one would be, like, you know, relationships probably carry the day. Oh, my gosh. Honestly. Um, that relation, especially in South Louisiana, Baton Rouge. Like. I mean, honestly, at, at every level of business that we've been in, um, the, the relationship component has – has been so key at so many times and uh and so it's hard to put like a dollar and cent value you know especially somebody like myself like real analytical wanting to like you know break everything out on a spreadsheet or something you know whatever you know you're you know, especially a long time ago you know younger um the relationship component will will, will really kind of like uh provides all that like soft soft, subtle kind of like uh, margin that makes all the difference. 
And that will really add so much value to any anything you're doing business-wise. I mean, it doesn't matter what it is. You know, law, I, I, I don't think it, it really has any kind of like uh, industry-specific application. Will carry the day for you in, uh, in, in anything you do. So I would, I would say, you know, value that. And it's hard to do that when you're a startup because you're probably so focused on the dollars and cents and, and, and making, you know, making payroll, making whatever that next milestone is, making whatever. But, um, you know, if it, it, it's, it doesn't, if it doesn't matter in three years, it shouldn't really matter. Yeah. Right. Somebody told me that one time and, uh, probably when they told me that I probably, you know, initially dismissed it cause it sounded like something that, that, you know, doesn't make any sense, but like three it, it years kind of, trying to get that, get through the next three months. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> That's right. Three years from yeah. now. Yeah, it's coming from, you know, only, the only person that can say that is somebody who's had a lot of success, right? But it, it really, I mean, so it, in a way, it's a little, it's impractical advice when you're going through it because the only thing you can do is focus on getting through whatever the next stage is. But it kind of is true. And so if you're, if you're, if it's not life or death, right, because then it would matter because it's going to matter in three years if, you, if you're not, if you're not around to see the next couple of years, but. But, you know, the three year, the three year thing is kind of a, a general rule of thumb. If it doesn't matter in whatever, you know, two, three years, just don't spend a lot of time on it. Try to like make sure the relationship is okay and, and move on to the next thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that, all those make complete, complete sense to me. Yeah. So looking at where your, your parents are from and kind of where the business originated, what is something you love about like Baton Rouge or Louisiana as a whole? Oh God! I mean, the people, the community. Um, I I don't know if I mean I guess it's me as much as it is, you know. It, everybody probably loves where they're from, but but I uh, we've lived a couple different places, and I will say that like you know, I always feel comfortable in Louisiana, Baton Rouge specifically, and uh, everybody that I meet, you know, and 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 kind of have. I've had the kind of luxury of getting, you know, knowing, calling friends is, uh, it's just, they're just great people. They really are. And, uh, and this, you know, just the, that we'll, we'll never, we will always be from here. Um, we always just, it's, it's the place we feel the most comfortable. We, we, you know, when we meet somebody, it's just kind of instant, uh, instant kind of connection. Um, and, it, you, you, as much as you want to like, I guess, you know, dream up scenarios where you, it's not like that and, and you could kind of move somewhere else and, you know, just kind of like, you know, whatever, you know, go somewhere else, you know, do, do something else. You, you really can't beat where you're from. Yeah. And, and, and that familiarity, that friendship, the camaraderie, you know, everything you have, it's just, it, you, I, I can't replace it. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, I'll, I'll always, I'll always love Baton Rouge. It's that level of comfort from your hometown. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, people are great. It's tough to replace. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So for the final question, what can I do to help you? Uh, you can tell me all the, all the great marketing, all the, all the great marketing <laughs> secrets that, uh, that I don't know, you know, we can, you have a really luxurious spot in that you get to sit here and, and hear, you know, the wisdom of kind of like, you know, the story of everybody and their, and their kind of like pearls of wisdom that they hand down in the show, for example, or whatever, and, and take them. So you probably have one of the greatest perches to, to, to listen to stories and everything. So yeah. be a resource, be advice. I don't know. 
Well, I don't plan on going anywhere, so we can we can we can get to the the marketing tactics and all that. That's right. As we go on. That's right. Um, I mean, and they're they go with what you said. They're the people that are here, the people that are here leveraging those senior people that know what they've been doing for so long in the industry. That's all it is. That's all this show provides is the place for people like you, for people like our past guests to come on and really say, this is how I got to where I am, and this is what I know from it. Yeah. And so it's all just plays into that. So thank you, man, for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. I enjoyed it. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you coming out here, and your crew just, once again, knocked it out of the park from bringing the merchandise and making the studio really feel like a Southern Marsh-themed studio. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. They did a great job. So I'm I'm proud of them. I appreciate the time and uh, enjoyed it as always. Been good hanging out. I don't even know how long we've been here. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but, Bear, Barrett's looking at me. Barrett's looking at me. He's giving me, he's giving me the, 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 like, the, the twist the finger. Like, let's go. Let's, let's go. Roll. let's go. So thank you, everybody else, for tuning in and enjoying the show, wherever, whether it's through audio or through video format, whatever platform or channel you're consuming us on. I appreciate it. I know the guests do as well. Southern Marsh is like a household name here in Baton Rouge. So if you're looking for that next level apparel or that next level co-branded item for those business owners, be sure to reach out to their team and they'll be sure to take care of you. And also a wonderful thank you to the amazing sponsors that bring the show to you each and every week. We'll hear a little bit more about them right now. Thank you so very much to Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, the latest Patty G Show sponsor. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers is serving up hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers, crispy, crinkle-cut fries, buttery Texas toast, fresh coleslaw, and mouth-watering cane sauce. So y'all stop by for meetups and wind-downs, lunch breaks and dinner fixes, pre-games and after-parties, or whenever your chicken finger cravings hit, I know my chicken finger cravings are hitting right now. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, Maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Thank you so very much to our sponsor, Falaya Real Estate. They are the all-in-one real estate platform for you, whether you're buying or selling. They've got options starting out at $399 to sell your home. The average lister saves anywhere from $7,800 on their closing of their home. It's really incredible what they're doing with it. Barrett is amazing at Jacob, they're going to help you through the entire process from start to finish and really treat you like family. At Horizon Financial Group, we enjoy helping others achieve greater confidence, clarity, and direction in their lives. We realize everyone's path to financial success is unique. Sometimes you just need a friendly guide along the way. Whether it's customized financial planning, individual wealth management, or servicing your company's retirement plan, we've got the team with the experience to help you reach your goals. Horizon Financial Group, helping you provide, protect, and prosper for those counting on you. Visit us at horizonfg.com. Satera Advisors, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Satera is a separate entity. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pintus is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. 
how they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you so very much to Mallard Bay Outdoors, the Airbnb for the outdoor sportsmen. If you're looking to book a hunt or a fishing trip, this is the platform to use. They were a past guest of the Patty G Show. We got to learn all about what they're doing from the ground up. They are really revolutionizing the booking process for hunts and fish all across the country. For your next hunting or fishing experience, or maybe your corporate retreat, you're looking for something to do for your employees, book a hunt or a fishing trip with Mallard Bay Outdoors, and they will take care of you every step of the way from organizing it with the guides and the captains to making sure you can take care of them at the end of the trip. Mallard Bay Outdoors, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show.